Sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah. 
next song. Um, it's called Do It Again. We've done it before. Um, but I wanted to read to you in Joshua 6 about the fall of Jericho. It says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priests and said, take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priest with the horns and some behind the ark with the priest continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priest, priest again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched around, marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched in front of the priest with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed the, this pattern for six days. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. So on down, it says, when the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed. The Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. So all of this to say, they, they were commanded by God to, to walk around the walls six times, once a day for six days. So as they're walking around, Joshua said, don't say a word. Don't shout. Don't say anything until I tell you to say something. And they're walking around, and it kind of reminds me of the verse that I love, Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. So he wants us to walk around, and, he, and, and so the, the first verse of this song, it says, walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. And they're walking around six days, right? And the walls haven't fallen yet. Now, they know that the seventh day, God has said, you know, he's going he's gonna to do it on the seventh day. But a lot of times we go through situations and things that we're walking around our walls, and we're waiting for them to fall, and they haven't fallen yet. And so we feel as though God maybe has failed us or he's not there. But the song says, but you never failed me. And, and it says, but you've never failed me yet. And that's something that's like, oh, does that mean God's going to fail me? No. He's never failed me yet because he hasn't failed us up to this point. And he's not going to fail us because in our human minds, we think of failure. We have been failed <laughs> upon, whatever you want to say there. Um, God has, you know, God cannot fail us because he has the victory 
he is going to win whatever battle. And on the seventh day, they walked around seven times. And I feel like what happened, and it doesn't say this, but this is what I think, so it's not in the Bible. Um, I think, you know, on each day, the walls were getting, like, they're starting to crumble a little bit, right? Like, God's working. He's working each and every day, because when it comes to that seventh day, and they walk around the seven times, right? They, thank you. They, um, the walls fall. God was preparing each day. God was preparing. And so as we go through situations and we feel like maybe nothing's happening, God's preparing us. He's preparing those situations to fall. And if we listen to him and we walk around those walls and if we're still and we're silent and we just let him work in us, one day he is going to ask us to shout and he's going to ask us to praise him. And that's what this song talks about. How it says, I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe I'll see you do it again. Because he can do it again and again. It may not be in our time. It may not be the, the time we, uh, we hope. But he's going to do it. He's going to do it again. And he's going to do it again. So.
praise you, Father. Thank you, worship team. Hallelujah. You know, it is, um, it's always interesting, uh, some of the songs, you may be seated, um, praise God. Some of the songs that we uh, sing and um, the messages that they convey, sometimes I look at our response to those messages and I wonder, do we actually believe them, you know, um, singing that, you know, song, he'll do it again, and I start thinking, you know, how many of us, after trip one around the walls, would have, uh, when it didn't happen, would have come back day two, you know, how many snuck out in the middle of the night? thinking, this is crazy. Who in the world does this? You know, who in the world acts like this? You know, how in the world is God going to do anything? Because these weren't, you know, we think of walls and we think of these, you know, 12-inch walls. And uh, these weren't 12-inch walls. Um, they, had, they had races, chariot races on the, these walls. Okay. Just to give you just a little bit of perspective here, these were significant um, structures. And the children of Israel are sitting here and they're thinking, God has told us to march around this city seven times. Or today, one time, one time a day for six days. And on the seventh day, they had to do full seven rotations. And on the seventh and final rotation, all they were going to do They weren't throwing anything at the wall. (laughs) They were going to shout, and that was going to fix it all. (laughs) I'm thinking, um, Joshua, you need to come up with another plan. You know, I mean, let's just be honest. How many would have thought, can we elect a new leader today? When, when Joshua presents this, this plan on how you're going to conquer this town, and you're thinking, he's been in the sun too long. He hasn't eaten enough, you know, red meat. I don't know, whatever it is, you know. Um, But it was, and yet God had a plan. And the plan, contrary to what you may think, is never about you. (laughs) So many times we approach life to where it is about what we can do, what we can accomplish in our own strength or ability. And at some point in this journey that we're on, we have to come to this place of understanding that it has never been about you. And it's not about your spouse. And it's not about your children. It is about you submitting yourself to the will of God, to the plan of God, to his plan being permitted to be fulfilled in our lives. Because I say permitted because God doesn't force it. You know, God will never force his plan on you. God gives you opportunity to join with him. And as soon as you say, yes, Lord, then he was able to do an amazing work. The children of Israel, as they walked in obedience to the plan of God, 
and, and did these trips around. And on the seventh time, they did it all. The, they, they were quiet on six. And on the seventh and final one, they shouted. And, and I loved the, the whole concept that even though the children of Israel couldn't see it, the very fabric of this wall began to develop these stress fractures. And, and people couldn't see it. And then when the shout happened, uh, Scripture says, now we can't even fathom this because there's such a massive wall that these walls fell flat. And the children of Israel marched in and took the city. What, what an uh, amazing God that we serve. And so try to picture, if you can, your own situation your own trial, your own uh, difficulty. And, and, and you think, Lord, I've walked around this problem believing you for six days. And I'm coming up on this seventh day. Now you may think, oh, I've been doing this for seven years now. You know, God, when are you going to show up? You know, and and we have our own time frame that wraps up these problems. And we think because God doesn't do it in the way we think or the time that we think that God's not going to move. And at some point, we just simply have to trust the process and be able to say, God, I know you're going to do it. I'm just going to keep doing the, the next thing you tell me to do. And if it's keep walking around this city... Um, keep walking around this problem, I'm going to do it, Lord. I know, I know you have an answer that is beyond what I can see, what I can understand. God, I'm going to continue to do exactly what you've told me to do. Sometimes it may be that God has, gives us a scripture that we quote every single day and, and throughout the day, and we just get to the point where that scripture is literally uh, embedded in our hearts. Um, that is part of the fabric of our nature. You know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their lands. God, God spoke that scripture into my life years ago, and, and from that point on, I continue to go back to it. Not because I, I feel like God hasn't done something, it's because God is still doing something, and he is not finished. And, and there is part of this 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 process that I want to see God come to fulfillment in my life. And so I want to encourage you that this whole process of he'll do it again, it really is, the, is us coming to a place of trusting him, trusting his word, trusting in his faithfulness to his word. I've said it before, God is not faithful to you, God is faithful to his word. See, people say, he's been so faithful to me. No, he's been faithful to his word. God will always honor his word. God actually has, has set up a structure that his, his conduct is completely in alignment with his word, and he never violates his word. 
And so when you stand on the Word of God, you have the ability to stand upon uh, something that Scripture says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will never pass away. God's Word is eternal, and it has the ability to withstand the test of time. You know, for thousands of years, people have been uh, coming at the Word of God, trying to disprove it, trying to disqualify it, and yet God's Word continues to build in, in its effectiveness on the lives of people simply because regardless of what man does, it cannot affect God's Word. So that was all free. So let's get to the topic today. To worship or not to worship? That is the question. We are building off of last week's whole concept of worship and really what we've done so far today really is, is gives us a good foundation to where we're going. Worship really is about ascribing to God highest worth. Highest worth. It is about giving Him the very best that we have. When we worship, we are telling God, you are the most important person in my life. You are number one. Now, how many of us have ever come to a place that we withhold some of our passionate worship because of some of the people we're with. Or maybe, maybe you, you're similar to this in that you invite a friend to church and you just pray, God, can you just help us to have a calm, collected service, you know, to where we don't get too crazy? You know, have you ever thought about some of the things, some of the restrictions we put on ourselves and on those around us because we don't want to be uncomfortable? But here's, here's the reality. Worship is not just what you do on Sunday. It is not just a one-hour thing we do on Sunday. It is a way of life. And many times, our ability to worship God is directly proportionate to what we experience throughout the week. And if you are not a worshiper from Monday to Saturday, the reality of you being a worshiper on Sunday is really a performance. Because if, if God is not part of the equation Monday through Saturday, all you're doing is performing on Sunday so that everybody sees you. If Monday you're out there screaming and gnashing of teeth wondering where God is, but on Sunday you're on top of the world, you know, and, and, and you're dancing in the aisle and you've got all the hand gestures and everything, but there's nothing that's walked out Monday through Saturday, then we really have not understood what a worship is all about. Worship is not about how high you go, but about how straight you walk when you come down from those moments. Because there is, let's be honest, there is a spiritual high that is experienced in worship. When we begin to enter into the Holy of Holies, there is, there is a lifting on this realm. But when we come down, we should be able to that means our life should have gone up just a little bit when we leave here. Because we're not going to stay up there in that high realm of worship all the time. Let's just be honest. You know, 
we, but when we come to a place we should still be affected by it, it should, should still follow us. There should be a fragrance. There should be this, this train of uh, God's presence that follows us because we've been in the, the Holy of Holies. We've been with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And there is some aspect of worship that should truly infect our lives. We, <laughs> everywhere we go today, everybody's afraid about infections. You know, they're, they're afraid about what they're going to pass on to someone. And let's be honest, the one thing that you experience here today should be something that you want to infect with everybody you exp- touch. Let's just be honest. If you can take a little bit of God today into this world that we live in and cause someone to live differently and walk differently, you will have done something significant for the kingdom of God to do damage to the enemy's plans. Because your life should have some level of effect to the, those that you're around. Today I want us to get into some of the individual motivations of worship. And, and I think one of the struggles that many have in the church today is that we don't understand where worship flows from. One reason why, we, why worship is so hard for folks is they don't understand where it comes from. Where does worship come from? Now, I grew up in a farming community. I grew up in a time where it was not about a public show in church because I didn't go to church. I didn't, my first time ever stepping into a church door was when I was 16. I didn't go to weddings or, you know, we went to a few funerals, but those were in funeral homes, you know, but I just never went to church. I didn't grow up hearing all the Bible stories, you know, I didn't, I didn't have that background. And yet, when I had an experience with God and I came to an understanding of God's love for me, there was literally a transformation, a change. And worship was uncomfortable at first. It was awkward. It was strange seeing people raise their hands. It was strange seeing people speak in tongues. It was strange seeing people lay down on the floor. It was strange seeing people uh, dance in the altars. You know, I just didn't understand it. Because the the only thing that came close to that level of expression was sporting events. Let's just be honest, you know. Now, they weren't you know, dancing as we know it, but you see people, you know those people in your stands that they have their, they pace back and forth, you know, they make sure nobody sits next to them. Actually, all their friends have all come to that place where they know that they don't sit next to them. And um, some people don't even sit in the bleachers. They, they literally stand in areas so that they, they can walk and move and they're talking to the coach and they're talking to the referee and they're talking to the players and, and they're just, and they're loud and and you'd think that they were having a worship experience. But they're not. <laughs> but that really is, you know, that or a, for some a good concert. You know, you know, yelling and cheering and doing all those things. I didn't go and, I'm one of those people, I mean, I went to a concert a couple of maybe in my entire life at that point, And um, I didn't go and cheer. You know, it's like, yeah, I listen. Then I left because <laughs> I, I was not a demonstrative person. Uh, there wasn't a lot of dramatics in my life. I just, and I really, 
didn't do well with a lot, people with a lot of drama. Is there anybody else out there? You just don't do well with people with a lot of drama in their life. I typically avoided them. So if someone had a lot of drama, I typically went the other way. Or I didn't befriend them. Now I've changed some. Not that I tolerate a lot of drama um, in my life, but I, I'm not as hard-nosed as I used to be. But I realized I didn't understand where worship comes from. And so today I hope through, you're going to get to hear from a couple worshipers from their own motivation. I've got a little bit more to share with you and then I'll have them come up here. Today I've chosen two of our fine ladies to give you their, uh, their motivation. Next week I'm going to call upon a couple of our, our, our fine gentlemen to come and share so that you can get a well-rounded presentation on where worship comes from. But I'd like us to direct our attention to Psalm 111, verses 1 through 10. I don't think you can effectively talk about worship without going to the individual that really is uh, detailed uh, around the whole concept of worship. You know, uh, God says that David was a man after his own heart. And David, you know, is, is involved in or uh, responsible for, you know, the writing of many of our psalms. And, and so they flow out of a heart. And really, if you get into reading the psalms, they talk about David's struggles in life. Um, they, David sang about the things that he was dealing with on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to hear some of us sing, put our, our daily struggles in a song. Um, that's not for today. You can work on that for next week. So let's, let's at least go through our 10 verses here. It says, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. In the company of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. He has made known to his people the power of his work in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are truth and justice. All his precepts are sure. They are upheld forever and ever. They are performed in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. I, I so love what David presents for us here. And I think really the the essence of what David is saying, and for us to understand today where this flows from is out of verse number two. David says, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will give thanks. David brought nothing less than his whole heart. It says, coming with your whole heart represents the whole being. So when David when David brought his whole heart, he literally was bringing all of who he was. Now, how many of us have ever come into church and our hearts have been heavy for something else? Distracted. You know, we've got things going on in life. And so, 
when you start thinking about that, how many times we've come to church having other things on our heart, what is the reality that we're going to bring our whole heart in the midst of that moment of worship? So one of the, one of the difficult processes of life for any of us to ever enter into is when we enter through the doors of the sanctuary is to be able to set aside the things that are holding us down it's not saying that those things aren't important and real it is if we want to be ministered to by god we have to do something see david says i now david had lots of trials and challenges in life when you read about david you know not only did god anoint him to be king with when all of his brothers in many ways were probably more masculine than he was he was out in the field. He was, his father didn't even remember him when they, they, the prophet asked for you know, Jesse to line up all of his, his sons to anoint uh, that he had a, a special blessing for one of his sons. And, and Jesse forgot about him or intentionally left him in the field. <laughs> he wasn't part of the process. And the prophet comes to the end and says, do you not have anyone else? Now, I'm sure at that point, all the brothers were thinking, what happened to us? You know, what, am I chopped liver here? And yet, the prophet was saying, this, the one that God's called me to is not here. And so Jesse says, well, I have one. He, he's out in the field tending the flock. And, and he brings this shepherd in, and, and he anoints him. So then you've got the challenge of, Life now in the presence of you being anointed as king and all your brothers looking down on you um, thinking, how in the world did this happen to you? And how many realize that it didn't happen the next day that David was announced king and was going to lead? There was a process that David had to live out. And, and then... He comes, he, he defeats Goliath. He presents, he is presented to Saul as the defeater of Goliath. And Saul gives him his daughter to be married. And, um, and then this spirit came on Saul wanting to kill David, you know. <laughs> and there's this process. And David's thinking, hey God, you're the one who said this was going to happen for me. <laughs> and now, this, now the current king wants to kill me. And then later on in life, his own children break from him. After David becomes king, his own children break from him and are, try, are, are vying for the, the king, the throne, the kingdom. And so you, David's life was not easy just because God said this was going to happen. And sometimes we think, oh, life is going to be so easy when we come to a place of relationship with God. And the reality is the trouble's just starting. Because the scripture says that because you love me, this world will hate you. And there is, there is this uh, tension that is immediately created when we come into a relationship with God and we begin wrestling with thoughts and emotions and people and things and, and we feel like everyone is against us. And yet, David is able to come into uh, his time with God and say, God, I give you thanks. I worship you today. 
doesn't matter what is going on in my life today. It doesn't matter the challenges that I've experienced. It doesn't matter who has abandoned me to this point. I will worship you. And I think that is, is one of that first steps that all of us need to learn in a relationship with God is there comes a place where we say, God, I will worship you today. I know I've got troubles, but today as I come into your house in this dedicated time of worship, I am going to worship you. It's a choice. It doesn't matter who we have up here on stage um, leading you in worship. We could, we could pay Michael W. We couldn't pay Michael W. Smith to come in. But let's just say we had enough money to bring him in. And he's able to dazzle us with his piano ability and some of his amazing songs. You may be entertained, but he's not going to make you worship. You just might be entertained a little bit more. And, and there are times we can sit back and we can see people up here uh, worshiping and using their gifts and skills and we can be entertained by it all. And we can smile and laugh and raise our hands, but that doesn't mean we've actually experienced worship. Because worship has to come from the heart. And at some point, we have to surrender our hearts to God. As I was reading this week on this topic, I, I came to this, this passage here, this thing, and I thought it was so, uh, so good, so important. Uh, it says, many will stand and say that unless you are shedding tears, you're not worshiping. Unless you are raising your hands, you're not worshiping. Unless you're shouting with joy, you're not worshiping. We are told to worship with our heart. All of these things may be the effects of worship, but they are not the basis of worship. I raise my hands not to worship, but because of my worship, because of what's happening in my heart. I lift my hands. Let me be honest, and I said last week, I, there's a reason I stand up here in the front during worship. Is the only thing I want to focus on in that time, because for me, it is a time of preparation. I know that I am about to give the word. Now, there's, that in and of itself is a heavy weight. When you know that you're going to bring forth the Word of God, there, and that Scripture says that you will be held account for every single word that you share. There's a weight to that. I want to be prepared. And so I, I stand in front because, I'm just going to be honest, sometimes people are distracting I'm not pointing fingers at any of you because I'm sure none of you uh, fall in that category because I'm not looking at any of you during our time of worship. But people can be distracting. Sometimes in the midst of worship, people are doing things other than worshiping, like checking you know, their phone because you know, they got a text in or something like that. Um, none of you have probably ever done that. You know, sometimes... There are other things that we do. We decide, man, I've got all these emails. I'm going to take this time to read my emails. As if that is the most important thing to do in this dedicated time of worship. And we, we wonder why we struggle worshiping Monday through Saturday. And it's because we really haven't given God the fullness of, of our time when we're with him, dedicating, saying, God, this is, this is my hour uh, with you today. 
God, I'm giving you a whole hour of my time. I love you so much. That shows how important you are. I've given you an hour of my time today. And, and then we wonder why we struggle like we do. I worship because of what's inside of me, not because of this act. It's not, it, is the, it is the things that are flowing out of me because of what's going on inside of me. There are times I shed tears in worship, but it's not because that is a thing of worship. It's because of what's going on inside of me. So we have to get to that point where we realize that whether we are shouting or crying or singing or raising our hand, it has nothing to do with anybody around us. It has everything to do with what's going on inside of us. It is important for us that worship comes before the reaction. Okay? Worship when it flows from your heart and you become a true worshiper, there will be, I truly believe that there will be responses that come. And everyone is going to be different. Not everyone is going to be Miss Linda. You know, not everyone is going to do, be Pastor Ralph or Pastor Nancy. You're all going to worship God differently. And that's okay. Some people worship God in a time of silence, and for them it is an expression of worship. I don't understand that at this point in my life, but I'll tell you this. <laughs> I'll tell you this. There was a time when I was first in the church, I didn't clap, and I didn't raise my hands, and I was silent during worship. Now some of you will say, well, pastor, you still can't clap. I clap just on my own beat. You know, I'm, I get lost in my world, and then I realize that you guys have all gone off, and you're clapping different. Now, if you guys just follow me, you're going to be better off. I just quit worrying about it a long time ago. Sometimes I'll be clapping, and I'll see one of the young people laughing at me because they know that I've entered another world. That's Okay. But I think it's important for us to understand. David says, I will worship in the company of the upright and in the assembly. Okay, you are the assembly, and you are the company of the upright. And when we worship God, we do so because of what God is doing inside of us. And so today what I've asked is two individuals, I've asked Meredith and I've asked Linda, to come and share with us what goes on inside of them, some of the thought processes, some of the, some of the motivations. You know, both of them, uh, I think really in the last year, Meredith has come into her own in worship in so many ways. Not that she was a bad worshiper when she first came and started worshiping with us, but let me just be honest with you. Your first time you're leading everybody up here in worship, and you're looking at you guys, and some of you aren't clapping or singing or moving. Or she's not sure if you have a pulse. <laughs> Let me just be honest, that can be overwhelming. It's like leading a casket of groups of people into a time of worship. Have you ever thought about that if you just had a bunch of caskets in here? How difficult that may be to lead in worship? So don't be a casket. Learn to, to worship God from what's going on inside of you. And, 
and I just thought, you know, you guys hear me every week, and I, and I thoroughly love bringing the word. But I think it's important for you to hear for some other individuals from where they're at. So Meredith, you come first. Linda will finish with you on that. And then I'll come and share just a couple concluding words. Okay. I am not a speaker. Let me just start. This is out of my comfort zone, but hey, that's fine. You've already, you've heard me once today. I'll, I'll talk again. So he asked, you know, what's our motivation? What's our heart behind worship? And so for me, I need to take you guys back a little bit. Um, back to when I had, I gave birth to Savannah. Oh, 2011, right? Yes, okay. We're going back that far today, guys. Okay, so 2011, Savannah was born in January, and a couple months later, found out I was pregnant. I was like, okay, great. We're going to have a, a newborn and a one-year-old, and we can do it. We can do it, you know? Um, everything with Savannah had been fine. I was sick. I was tired. Kind of a normal pregnancy. She was born a few weeks early, but she was fine. So thought nothing of it. Six weeks into the pregnancy, I believe I was starting to miscarry. And I was a little confused. Everything had gone fine, so I didn't understand what was happening. I, I was a little, like, anxious. I'm, I'm an anxious person. I worry. And so I started to pray to God, and I remember one day just like laying in bed and just praying and, and asking God to save my baby, because I know that he can do miracles, right? I was like, you can do this. You can save my baby. Everything will be fine. Well, I ended up miscarrying, and I was really upset. I, I was angry. I was hurt. I didn't understand what was going on. So for probably a year of my life, I just kind of shut God out. People gave me verses and quotes and worship songs, and they were like trying to help me, but I didn't want to hear it. I was mad. I didn't understand why God allowed that to happen. Did God allow it to happen? I don't think so, but it happened, and I was very angry. And so for a year, I just kind of let myself wallow in this depression, and I was mad. And so a year went by, and we actually got pregnant again, and I was very cold-hearted to the whole thing. I didn't want to get attached. I didn't want anything, you know, I was like, we'll see what happens. I went to a doctor and he was like, ooh, yeah, you're gonna miscarry. <laughs> and I was like, why would you tell somebody that? That are, whatever. So I had them write in my chart that I never wanted to see that doctor again. <laughs> I was like, I don't like him, he was rude. So it turned out I did end up miscarrying and because of the year of depression that I had gone through, I kind of told myself, okay, I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to end up there again. And so I had to talk myself out of being sad and depressed again. But I vowed not to let the devil win this time. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to go back there. And it was two months, I think, after that miscarriage that I got pregnant and Sawyer is here. Yay. So, um, and then seven years later, we have Hudson. So. <laughs> waited a little bit for that one. But I will say, during both pregnancies, I was very, very nervous, right? Like, I was worried, I was scared. And I remember with Sawyer, when I was pregnant with him, my doctors and my nurses prayed with me. And to find a doctor and a nurse that would pray with you and help you through that stuff was really, really wonderful. And then when it came time, when I was pregnant with Hudson, I had actually, I mean, seven years makes a big difference. <laughs> um, I had actually 
made like a playlist on my phone of all of these songs and I titled it like Don't Worry, Don't Fear. And it was all these songs about hope. And so all of this to say that when I went through that year of being really depressed and really sad, worship for me is what brought me out of it. There was a song that I remember, um, it, face ID, okay, sorry. Okay, so there was a song that I listened to a lot that like, I, I don't remember where I heard it, but it was called You Are For Me by Carrie Job, and it said, so faithful, so constant, so loving and so true, so powerful in all you do, you fill me, you see me, you know my every move, you love for me to sing to you. And it says, I know that you are for me, I know that you will never forsake me in my weakness, and I know that you have come now even to write upon my heart to remind me who you are. And that song got me through a lot because it made me realize that God is, is for me. I went through this really horrible thing, but he brought me out of it, and I feel like now, anytime I start to feel sad or a little depressed, I just put some worship music on. Worship music has always, has always helped me, and when I, I grew up listening to music and singing, and I was on different worship teams, and it wasn't until this moment that worship became more and more true to me, that it was like this, I had to go through this, in a sense, to rely on God more. When we sang the song, Do It Again, you know, that song always kind of gets me because I, I, you go through things and, and God, it, sometimes it just doesn't feel like it, he's going to fix it. He's going to, I don't understand why I'm going through something. And, but, but he always manages to make everything better. And he moves the mountains, and he's going to move them again and again. And so worship is just something that I come up here. I get here about 7.30, 7.45 on a Sunday morning. We have practice at 8. And I'll be honest, there are some Sundays that I come, and I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> Sorry, worship team. I am, like, not happy or something. You know, we all have situations, right? Like Pastor Ralph said, we have to come in here, and when we walk through those doors, we have to forget those things. And I, I think why he said, you know, this last year he's seen a change is because I decided to change my mindset when I came here. Practice may go, oh, practice will go how it goes, you know, but... But God always moves in the service because I, I decide when I step up on this stage and I'm in front of you guys that I'm just going to let it all go. My, my bad attitude, whatever situation I may be struggling with, I'm going to let it all go and I'm just going to worship. And that's what I decided because I was like, I don't care what everybody else thinks. I am just going to worship. I'm just going to come up here and I'm going to worship because for me, this is a time of refreshing I feel like Sunday mornings are like our time to just be refreshed with worship and with a message, and it prepares us for the week. But again, like he said, we can't go out into our week and just like let it all go and not worship or read the word throughout the week. We have to continue. So then we come back next Sunday, and we are expectant, and we are excited. And so it's, worship has just always been something that I lean on when it comes to how I felt. I, you know, if I'm having a bad day, I turn worship music on. 
my kids are doing work at home, I turn music on. Because I just want that to be something that I, I listen to and that I hear. And yes, praying and reading the word is something that's so important too. But for me, just hearing the words of these songs and having them, I don't know, I just, it's, it just makes me happy. And so I think that's, that's it. <laughs> Thank you, Meredith. Uh, Miss Linda. Yes. Okay. Well, my story is too long to put out there. <laughs> um, so, when I'm up here in worship, um, I'm truly desiring the presence of God to just come down from heaven and minister to each and every one of us. In worship, that's my heart's desire, is for all hearts to receive what I have received throughout my years with him. So is, I'm, I want to go after his heart. I want to see his heart. I want to feel his heart. I want to know his heart. I want to understand his heart. Um, and God has always given me and spoken to me through the Psalms of David. Like, I relate to David's life so much. Um, it's just, I connect with David. Um, to me, David was an emotional person, and I'm an emotional person, or that drama person that Pastor was just talking about. Um, I kind of keep it in, and when I'm on my own, I yell it out. Um, but he was very expressive in his intimate relationship with God. And I don't know, I was just drawn by that. And I related so much to that um, type of relationship with God that I found myself like him intensely calling on God or crying out or praising him or worshiping um, because I needed him. I needed his faithfulness. I needed his goodness because what I was seeing in the world, what I was facing, what I was going through wasn't giving me a good result. It wasn't, it was bringing me down. It was tearing me apart. It was just, it was bringing me to a, a spirit of heaviness, of depression, of anxiety, of worry, of fear. It wasn't where I felt secure or loved and many times. So I needed his faithfulness and I needed his goodness. So I found myself bringing that kind of worship into my life, just like David did, like after God's heart, and freely worshiping him. I kind of hold back a little bit, but when I'm on my own, I give it all. I try to give it all here too, and I give you a glimpse um, of what I, I kind of intensely want to give. Um, but he freely worshiped God in every situation. And that's what I love about David. Like he just did it in his weakness. He did it in his, in the trials. He did it when people were like against him. And when he's going through contemption, like people being contempt towards him, you know? And I, I just, I just relate so much with him with that in my own life. So in my worship to God, I prepare myself to enter into his presence. Um, because I'm so grateful. And I'm in all of all the goodness that he has given me. Even despite that I don't see changes. 
but he is the one changing it. Despite the constant um, attacks or insults, he's still there with me. I'm not seeing it, I don't feel the difference, but he's there with me. And so when I'm up here, he's reminding me, I'm for you, I'm not against you. I'm always with you, I love you. My perfect love is all you need. Come and rest in me. Come and rest in me, is what he's telling me. Um, so it's just looking for the perf God's perfect love and his goodness in my life. And, I, and my spirit's willing, but my flesh needs to be in line with the Holy Spirit. So when I do my hand gestures or my emotions, it's like a dialogue I'm having throughout these songs, like getting myself to, to, to recognize his love, to recognize his goodness, to recognize his faithfulness in the situations that he's brought me out of, that he's going to keep bringing me out of. Um, because I'm a wretched woman, you know, I fall short of his glory daily, um, even before service, I have to come to repentance in order for me to be able to align myself with his spirit. Um, and, and I always go back to what God had given us, the greatest gift, his son, the ultimate sacrifice that he's given us. That's where I go back. That is who I look to in my worship. Um, so I visualize Jesus at the cross. I visualize the death, the things that he took upon, the sicknesses that I've gone through, the sins that I committed, the things that he's brought me out of, the things that he's going to bring me out of, the things that he's constantly reminding me that I'm for you, not against you. Um, so I visualize those things because he's, Jesus saved me, he forgiven me, he healed me, he freed me from the darkness, from Satan, from the world perspectives, the way the world sees me, or how others see me, and how they treat me, or who are, are against me. And I think about the gift that God, um, Jesus left us, the Holy Spirit, the one that we tend to minimize or quench or that I quench often or um, don't or grieve at times. Um, but I have him in me, and I want my spirit to connect with his spirit. And I want my, my whole self to just align um, with him. Um, you know, because I think about God's comforts and his help that he brings me peace. Um, in situations. I think about the heavy. This is where I think about you in my worship. Um, I bring you along too. The heavy hearts that I see in the congregation. The hardened hearts that I see um, in the body of Christ. And I, I, want, I want God to just come and just saturate himself over you. I want you to, to surrender. I want you to, to let go of the things that been binding you up in bondage. Um, so I think about the lost, like what's the direction that God's calling me to reach them, how to reach them. Because um, I don't, can't do anything without him. 
I have no abilities, no talents, or things that I feel like I'm not um, capable, but he is capable. I just need to be the vessel, the instrument for him to use and be willing, be willing and prepared to do that for him. Um, in the, in, in the, in during worship, the Holy Spirit constantly reminds me that God is fighting my battles, that all I need is to rest in him. And I'm desperately calling on the Holy Spirit, like I said, to bring down heaven to us so that we could experience the perfect love that he has for us, um, to anoint us, to give us power, to know that we do have the power through the Holy Spirit in us, to utilize it, to bring healing and blessing, um, and just really give everything to him, fully ourselves, our hearts, to render everything to him. I think about the heavenly throne. I'm so, when pastor reads the scripture, I'm just, I can see myself when the 24 elders, and I'll read it for you, but I, I just visualize this. In Revelations 4, 6, also in front of the throne, there is what, call, what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne, there were 24 living, there were 24, I'm sorry, four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and back. In the center around the throne, there are 24 living creatures. I mean, sorry, keep saying 24. Four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and back. And first, the first living creature was a li- like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and were covered with eyes all around, even under its wing. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures gave glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down before him and who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to give glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. And that just draws me into a picture of how I want to kneel before God and bow before him. And because and, and, that's presently being done right now. Like that's being constantly done every moment that we're not aware of. And, and when we come here to worship, I want to, I see myself doing that before him. Along with the 24 elders and all the saints that are up there in heaven. Just singing, holy, 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 holy. You are worthy. But then I begin to see and hear and feel the need of the love of the Father. And he sings over me to come and rest in him and to receive his care. And I'm just drawn to honor, to, re- to, to glorify him in praise and worship with all my heart, just like what David said. With all my heart, my mind, with all my mind, with all my body, 
my soul and my strength is what I want to give God and, and, and not, because um, if I could focus on the negative and I could focus on my troubles and my tribulations so much throughout my weeks, my days, my hours, I could at least come to the presence of God and give them all, give it all. And I want to, I just thought of these songs, like he was speaking to me through the week. Because I kept asking, what is my motivation, God? There's been so much in my life, but this is what it is. This is my desire, is to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. All I have within me, I give you praise. All that I adore is in you. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, I have, Lord, have your way in me. Let it not be me, but let it be your way. That's a song from Hillsong Worship. And then I think about, I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. I don't want to leave. I don't want to go back to my weeks of the same things. Oh, I'm not here for blessings, Jesus. You don't, you don't owe me anything because your ultimate sacrifice was enough. And I need to recognize that and embrace it. More than anything that you can do, I just want you. I'm sorry when I just gone through the motions. I'm sorry that I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started, that first love. He loved us first, and I want to return that love. I open my heart to you. I'm sorry when I have come with my agenda, because I sure have a bunch of agendas. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're not, that you're enough. Like, he's completely enough. I lose focus on that. Take me back to where you, we started. Open up my heart to you. A song by Cody Carnes, I think. And then go back to another song, and I just, all I need is you. All I need is you, Lord. Is your love, is Lord, is you, Lord, basically. And all, that's all we need is him. And I think in my worship, I just express it to the, to the enemy, to the darkness, that, yes, I'm a child of God. You, I give you powers at some points in my life, but I'm giving it back to God and reminder, reminding myself that, um, that he can't take it away from me. Um, that I want to surrender my whole, my whole self to God and everything that I have. Um, but that's where I come from worship. I probably skipped some stuff that I wanted to say, but um, I really desire for us to come to his presence, even in the midst of our storms, even in the midst of our hardships. Um, I just love the move of God and I want our hearts to surrender, to be released and not hold back any longer. So I just, 
ask that you um, open up to the Lord and give your all because he wants you to come and rest in him. Good job. So uh, worship is a heart thing, you know, and um, I'm sure each of you uh, have your own stories, your own uh, motivation, uh, but I, I, I thought it was important for you to hear from some others. Um, sometimes worship emanates out of uh, some of the greatest pains of our life. Um, sometimes it's because of where we want God to take us. Um, so all of them are, are good and right, and uh, you know, I could preach a, a few sermons on several of the things that uh, both uh, Meredith and Linda shared, but I'm so uh, proud of them for sharing and uh, uh, just stepping out of their comfort zone and, and uh, really challenging us in some areas. And so um, this week, I want to challenge you to uh, look in your own heart and find time to worship every day and uh, examine your own motives. What, where does your worship flow from. And uh, next week I'm excited because we're going to have some of our men share as well. They don't know it yet, but they will be. Um, and so uh, it's going to be tremendous. So let's, uh, let's pray and let's close this. And uh, Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to, to worship you. Thank you for your word and how it challenges us to surrender our own lives to you. Thank you for the messages that uh, have been shared through Meredith and Linda and the, the challenges that have come forth from them and their, their motivation for where they're at today. And help us to, to open our, our hearts up to you that you can receive the glory due your name. We thank you. We ask for this in your precious name. Amen. This time we're going to wait upon you for a morning tithes and offering. <laughs> Praise God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and for your provision. We pray your blessing on this offering, that it would be multiplied to meet the needs of your kingdom. Uh, we thank you for the faithfulness of your people and their giving. We ask for this in your name. Amen. A um, couple things to make you aware of while the ushers are passing those plates. Uh, number one, tonight, 6 o'clock in the fellowship hall, the men are gathering to discuss uh, Acts 21 through 28. So we've got three hours. So we're, we're, we're going to do it, gentlemen. Uh, we're going to finish out this book. It's going to be a... a tremendous time. So come out and ready for that. Also, the last Saturday of this month, the 20, or Saturday, not Saturday, Sunday, 24th, um, we are going to have a baptismal service here. So um, we're excited about it. If you have not been baptized and you would like to be baptized, you need to talk to me. Um, we have several of our kids that are going to be going through. Uh, Christina's working with our children on baptism um, over the next couple weeks. You know, several of them want to go through that. And so there, we already know that there, we have a number of kids. Are, everybody's going to be together for that service. It's going to be a great time. Um, I do need some help um, this week, probably on Wednesday, to um, 
uh, take this cover off the baptismal, we need to fill it and make sure that everything is kosher um, before the actual Sunday. So this coming Wednesday after the uh, uh, men's or uh, after the adult Bible study, we're going to take this uh, cover off and then I'll fill the tank on Saturday or on Thursday and make sure everything stays full. Yes. Alrighty. I think that's it. So uh, love on one another.